She purrs non-stop, pretty much. We're gonna have. She's um, the most purring cat I've ever known. Tangerine is part of the podcast. I did an S, like a calculation a while ago on, on Twitter. I think she's she's done like about three and a half million purrs. I reckon. <laughs> oh. All right. She's now sitting on the desk behind the microphone purring. Okay. Minute four. Welcome. Welcome. These aren't the best minutes, probably, because... No, not much is happening yet. So we had... um, We've still got titles. So when he starts talking about El Duque, Duke Ellington. I spent quite a bit of time after last week's one looking up about spin paintings and fantasizing about making my own spin painting machine. When can uh, we do one? Is it hard? I don't think so. Just it's well, it probably is actually. When I say no, it's kind of like is it hard like rocket science? No, it's more hard like building something that's going to go disastrously wrong. Is rocket science actually hard? hard? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's hard, but is it the hardest <laughs> thing? Why has that been picked as the thing that is the hardest? I guess. Um, <laughs> Why not heart surgery or? I don't know. Those are hard too. Yeah. Anyway. I guess it involves a lot of maths and rocket fuel. Can we um, make a just ad hoc spin painting thing? Just a like yeah, I think rubbish one. Can yeah. we just hold a paintbrush and spin round in a circle? I can I hold a paintbrush and you can spin me round in a circle on a big piece of paper. <laughs> and we'll film it. <laughs> yeah, we could try that. I think I have seen it for kids though, where you get like a car, or I think they do it on a plate. You get a paper plate and you punch two holes in the middle, thread some string through, and then you spin it around so that the string is all turned, spun up. Then you paint it and then you pull on it like um, something which unspins the plate and does enough to kind of hopefully make it very, you know. This is like for preschool kids. We can do that. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, that's our level. And it's cheap. Do we know any preschool children <laughs> that we no. can oh, get we to can make a painting justify. to us? Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, ages ago I had a, I didn't make a circular painting because I found a, a sort of tabletop in a skip or something like that. It was just like made of um, chipboard and covered that in canvas. Um, so it, that's the thing to look out for is nice circular tabletops that could become canvases what did you did you once was there a thing when when you visited me in montreal where you found a truck or something why am i getting a weird memory if we were walking in montreal and we went past this like um car like old cars that had been abandoned and you had something about finding one and doing it up and you were going to go traveling with it is this ringing any bells yeah, I, I found a, a car, a Land Rover. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I used yeah. to walk past it every day on the way to work. Yeah. Um, it wow, had this weird sticker memory. on it suddenly saying that this car will be towed away and crushed within 14 days. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you I don't know if it. I should say this on the radio, I know, I was just thinking, podcast, I couldn't remember but, if it was... Um... So I, I towed it away and then you kind of just write to DVLA and say, can you have transfer the ownership? Well, it's not oh. really the ownership. This is the weird thing, because it's like the V5 document is, is the kind of logbook that people call it. 
and it's something you but it basically you write to dvla and whoever's on the logbook is the person that's that's um, kind of on the hook for the fines and stuff like that so it means that that's the person who has to have the insurance and you know if the car goes through a red light that's the person that gets the the speed the ticket but it doesn't actually mean you own it anyone can have so anyways but if you write to them and, and then they write to the person who has the who's the current owner and if they, that person doesn't write back within some certain amount of time then they'll just issue you the v5 why was i, I think, thinking um, that i don't know why because you're in montreal and no there was a link spin painting something don't know <laughs> circular tabletops yes that was it. It's about finding a circular tabletop and oh, doing painting okay. on it. Yeah. yeah. I find a lot of things in skips. Yeah. I used to. No, less so now because where I live, there are fewer skips. But there was a uh, hot spot where I used to live in South End. Because people just chuck stuff out on the street all the time and you find these goodies. So, what was the dream you had that you started telling earlier? And I'll tell you my mad one. Oh, I don't know. Leaving well, out any private there. bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one I was saying was that I felt like I was back in the hospital that I used to work in. So it felt oh, yeah. like a hospital, but it wasn't sort of here. And it was this sort of hidden staircase that I'd found. So it was just sort of like Ooh. this door, but it goes into this very, very tight spiral staircase. Um, so it's more like if you imagine a, a He doesn't do staircase. it. No, I don't. You, you, you do the hand <laughs> gesture. do the gesture. I just say the word and in my head, I just picture a spiral staircase without having to mind You're it. pitching a medieval spiral staircase, like no, in a castle. So it's kind of modern. Oh. And so oh, I had a dream with a spiral staircase that was really scary. Anyway, keep going. Well, so <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, so it's, I guess it's tight in a small space, a bit like in an old castle, but it was of modern and sort of had a ceramic floor. And there was this toilet that was kind of just offset off the edge of the, this staircase and it was overflowing. So there was okay. all this kind of like, horrible gross water flowing down the spiral staircase and I'm sort of walking down it being careful not to slip because it's slippery and then at the bottom there was someone clearing it out so it's not an interesting dream at all oh sorry I'm trying to but, remember that mm. well what I was going to say is I've been collecting dreams though so because I mean I've, I think we've started talking about this I can't remember what we've said already but you know I'm doing this project for the university on dreams and uh so I've now got something like about 60,000-ish dreams I've collected off the internet but a lot of them are american and so sort of when you're analyzing there's all these sorts of references to high school and freeways and hershey bars uh, yeah and things like that so i'm also drive-ins some um <laughs> yeah drive-ins you're right so uh it, trying to collect some dreams from some of the people on my course and in the uk people so dreaming about tea and yeah and, uh, <laughs> tea and cricket and um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rain. <laughs> and listening to the shipping forecast. No, because once I had this dream a, a while ago, but I I can't remember it all now. Where I was at your, you lived in this, but I was at your house, and um, and we arrived, but you had like a huge kind of mansion, like a kind of castle, and everything was marble, and you had all these um, china ornaments of like giant cats and things but they were just sitting in the middle of the floor like in the way so you just couldn't walk around because there were these like giant ornaments and then you'd invited some there was like some actor girl who was like wanted to try her lines or something so you went off to do that with her and then her friend was this like really hot guy 
and we started getting it on me and this guy and then we went to go upstairs and you had a spiral staircase up in your house but as I went up the stairs it became more and more nightmarish and there were all these like religious people all these like monks on the on the stairway like blocking away and we kept going even though it was a spiral staircase we kind of got lost and that I can't remember the end of it there was another bit where but I just I remember thinking why has Jules got all these stupid ornaments in this staircase in his house and there was just like drop off the edge it didn't like really lead anywhere just just to fill in the listener as well I don't actually live in a marble castle <laughs> and I don't even everybody have everybody does in Britain as uh, I live in a studio so it's <laughs> got very limited requirements for stairs but the Barbican does have I suppose oh no I shouldn't give yeah. away where you live <laughs> that's too much information uh I mean the uh <laughs> do you want to hear this really mad dream though or was it boring i mean i'll just show you obviously you can't hear if you're listening but i write sometimes i write my dreams down when i wake up because they're so mad and i know i'm not going to remember them properly although normally i do remember but when you try and write your dream down it just ends up like this mass of text that's just impossible to read <laughs> um the only thing is it just helps you remember it actually this is pretty grim this dream but um i dreamt that i was a slave and uh there were all these chinese slaves um like there was an older woman um and a younger woman and we i had to do things like picking up sand with my hands and then moving it to another place for no reason <laughs> um and there were, all the slave owners were really brutal and i complained and then they just went up to this woman and just snapped her finger off. And the woman didn't make any sound because she knew it would just get worse. So she said so she just carried on working and it was really horrific. So then I ran, I decided to run away. Um, and I was with this guy and we ran off and we went through kind of sewers underground and we collected um, a colleague of mine. She wanted to come along, but she kept like laughing like getting the giggles and we were in this tunnel and I was just like you have to be quiet and she just kept laughing so she laughed and these guys found us and we looked out the tunnel and there was this uh forest sort of glade and all the men the, the sort of slave owners these like, young guys and they all arrived dressed in sort of medieval clothes and they had like long flowing golden hair and swords on horseback and they were all like riding into this clearing and one of them looked like Ben Affleck <laughs> and the Ben Affleck one like dragged us out um, and then they dragged us to this hut where these people were setting up televisions in little it was like a straw and mud hut and in each room there was a tv and people were going to be chained to the ground and forced to watch TV programs and review TV programs. <laughs> it was really stressful, really, really upset and stressed. Were you yourself as well? Yeah, I'm always myself. Yeah, I could, it's weird because quite often in, in you sort of see in TV things where people, you know, if, if like I feel like in TV, if you were sort of transported into some kind of like slave kind of situation like that you would kind of be you it, they might make you like one of you, you know you wouldn't necessarily be yourself you would just yeah be in the kind of the body of someone in the situation 
yeah maybe. i don't know i feel like that sometimes has happened to me i suppose also like sometimes it's like it's not necessarily clearly defined because it's like unless you're really actually like looking at yourself or doing things that only you can do yeah I was remembering actually also while I was walking down that the staircase earlier that uh, there's also there were shower heads on the staircases as well and I remembered also the, the, the feeling of the water sort oh. of spraying onto me which is interesting it's like with that as to dreams as to when you were sort of actually are aware of other sensations where you sort of actually mm. see, you sort of, sort of seeing things a lot but necessarily yeah. hearing or smelling or seeing or touching things is, um, yeah. is sometimes less common. Yeah it's true. Anyway, that's uh, this week's dream watch. Although that dream was a while ago. It was a few days ago, the slave one. Yeah. It's certainly actually, it's interesting from collecting all these dreams as well. You say about sort of like verbosity. It's like some of the dreams have been, um, it's where people have just recorded them on a, on a dictaphone and then some oh. poor person has had to transcribe it later. Oh, God. And those ones are so long with so much detail. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this person yeah. and they kind of look like so-and-so and then they change. And just, you're like, oh. I think there's like some of the dreams are like 20,000 words long. It's like, uh... although I think yeah. actually also with that is where people also have multiple dreams in one night and sort of transcribing all of the dreams into yeah. one. Yeah, because I've been having waking in the night because I haven't felt very well. So I have a nightmare, wake in the night, and then go back to sleep, and then have a night, another nightmare, and then another nightmare. Yes. Anyway, so what's our fellow Stefan up to? Um, oh, is he speaking Spanish? Yeah, he's yeah. speaking Spanish. Very quickly. He does have... So is his character Spanish? Yeah, I guess so. Um, and he says... And I can't remember which bits were in Spanish and which bits he's saying, but he says about his dad in this bit, does he? Yeah. Yeah. Seen Duke Ellington. Yeah. And then, and he, then he says he's... He makes these silly noises. He says it's Duck Ellington. Yeah. It's a dream. And then he says that his dad is dead and he's lost the battle to cancer. cancer and he says, I cried so hard. And then he says, in, in dreams, emotions are overwhelming, which is very true. Yeah, well, there are lots of things. Well, yeah, but other, dreams can be weird. They can be, well, they, they can and can't be, because it's just like earlier, you'd sort of, you, you know, that situation with the sort of being in, as a slave would be an overwhelming situation, but you just kind of can sort of drift through it sometimes. And then other times you can have it where something, you know, just kind of meaningless, where you're just like, oh, this. Really you know, traumatic. This yeah, cup of tea is just so beautiful and perfect that you kind of cry about that or something. <laughs> Can't say I've ever drunk that. That um, is gaming bleeding over into real life as well. I've been playing a different game this week. Oh. I started playing uh, Alex, which is half part of the Half-Life series. Cool. And it's crazy how real it is, I think, in a way. It's like real enough that when you think back to it, it's hard to think but you weren't really there in some ways because you can remember a room and a place in a way that's got enough realism. In the game? Yeah, because you actually... I mean, maybe it's also... Because I found as well with VR that quite a lot of things, when you first try it, you're like, this is incredibly powerful. Um, strong, bless you. I'm sorry. We're going to edit out the sneezes later. <laughs> I'm not feeling very... Well. I've got a bit of a cold, so I'm all... <laughs> sniffy and sneeze I keep getting sneezing fits um what's the point of sneezing fits what are they doing 
I don't know. I guess the What's body's your body got, doing? Like, it's got buttons it can press, and one of them is sneeze, and it's like let's just see if a sneeze will sort it. Out. Is it like those? Um, what are they called? Those little people in your head in that comic that are doing all the things to um, making them all happen, and they're like, quick, pull the yeah. sneeze button. Is there a word for that? Make them blink, dumb nuts or something. No, what are they called? <laughs> they were there were some in um, the Beano, or was it the Dandy? One of them. It's a homunculus. And they're, in, they're little people in their head, controlling yeah. it, and they have to pull his eyes open and things. That's, that's the name, though, isn't it? A homunculus? Isn't that just a little creature? Uh, I think it specifically means someone who, like... <laughs> someone who lives in your brain. A small being. Mm. But do you know who I mean? The dumb nuts or whatever? No? No, I don't, sorry. Uh... The numbskulls. That does sound more familiar, yeah. Yeah. And which, which is that from? The Beano. Yeah, it's the homunculus argument. <laughs> homunculus within, argument? That within your head, there's like a little person uh -huh. who's controlling your, your body and your thoughts. But then it's like, but what's inside the homunculus's head? <laughs> ah. Another little is it a person. monkey with some symbols? Yeah, probably. Um... Okay. So anyway, he then is in, he's suddenly then in a taxi. The, the, like the in Paris. Thing. We're in, in Paris. Paris. And I can't work out which bit of Paris. I Maybe I'll be able to a bit later. Yeah. But, he's um, wearing a roll neck sweater. I, I know, was, a blue roller, polo neck. Polo neck, that was it. I was mm. like, as I was writing down, I was like, this is American. But this appeals to the American listener we may or may not have. What, a polo neck? Well, well no, we're saying roll neck sweater. Right? Oh. So we haven't confused. Oh, really? Them. I don't know what it is in French, actually. Uh, he speaks in French. Yeah, he says, "Ici uh, c'est bien." So here is here is good. So he's found where he's going, and he's wearing a little Peruvian hat with ears, ear flaps. Oh, I didn't know so. He gets three bags: a large ruck, red rucksack, a yellow bag, oh. a blue bag, and then a bike goes past behind him because it's just the very end of this minute. And I I often wonder with things that are shot on the street as to what. How much of it is an intake? You know, where it's just like they're just shooting it and people are just walking by. Yeah. And, you know, as long as they don't stare right at the lens and be like, oh, what's going on? You know, they're kind of like, as long as it looks natural enough, they get in. Because the thing with this bike is it didn't seem like it was important to the shot. Maybe it will be in the next minute. I don't know. No. You know, it, might be, it might be one of the characters, but it looked like it was just someone who was cycling down the road and his taxis in the way. And so he's just, because he just, because the thing was sort of where, where it froze the frame. His head was just right behind um, Michelle. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where did he come from? But then I rewound it and I was just like, oh, he's just cycling past. Maybe. But, when, but my experience of being places when they filmed, which in Paris they do a lot, um, I'm sure they do in London as well, certain parts of London, but they have to, they just close everything down. And I think it's partly for the, I don't know if it's for the like career I mean, and the sound bought... people and things. I don't think they can have a just an, a street with normal things going on so it's probably someone that's like can you cycle past yeah in fact i've seen it happen i was in oxford and it was um uh some film i can't remember there was filming they're always filming the same bits as well by the um the camera uh and they had like it was a period piece so everything obviously had to be in place but they had this person cycling and they did it about like 20 times. They just sort of keep cycling this like tiny bit and come back. And... Yeah, it's hard to so know. You never yeah, know. Do you think all directors are that?
that uptight that they're like they want complete control over it they don't want to leave anything to chance no well directors have different styles don't they i wonder what michelle gondry's like i I can't imagine that he i think he's probably very specific about the look of things but he probably concentrates more on his sets and yeah he's not bothered about someone coming past on a bike i think yeah, I, I I kind of agree. I feel that like whenever I've seen filming, it tends to be that even if, if the set is relatively open, when they're actually taking a shot, they kind of try and yeah. Back. It's amazing. You can see why it's a good industry for employment because they just have so many people. Mm. You know, it was particularly when I in New York, it was like there was a lot of filming going on, but the the number of like you know just like all these trucks with their kind of like dressing rooms and like the catering department as well and you know all these wires and lights and everything and then the actual scene if you see it in the film is like yeah seconds something like that yeah well, what, well in Shakespeare and Company where I used to work um and they were always wanting to film things there and uh the films that actually happened it's just crazy how like quick and how long also like how long we were on um what's it called kind of uh on call kind of thing like they'd say like Woody when Woody Allen was filming uh what's the one where they go back in time ah oh my god it's just gone from my head completely um anyway (laughs) the one where they go back in time and uh they wanted a shot in the Shakespeare Company. So we were all like going crazy going, oh my God, Woody Allen's gonna come here. And literally for about two weeks, every day, we'd just be like, is it today? And um, and they'd sort of call up, call my boss up and go like, we're gonna come today. And then we'd get everything ready and then just nothing would happen. And then the day that it happened, I wasn't there, which is really annoying. So I'd spent all these days like where I prepared everything, waiting, nothing, and no one came. We ran out of time or whatever. And then apparently when he did, it literally was five minutes. And and she said it was insane. Like, you know, all these people came before, set everything up like really specifically. And even though it was a bookshop already, they brought their own books to put in the window. She's just like, what are you doing? Um, and then they literally like, Woody came at the last minute and just stood there and went, okay, go. And they just had like a five second shot. <laughs> But because it had the name of the shop in it, then, you know, Sylvia got some money, I guess. I don't know. It was, it was Midnight in Paris. So yes, I that's guess. the one. <laughs> um, haven't seen it. But... Haven't you? Oh, it's a, it's a good one. One of the last good woodies, okay. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many films have been... Interesting to know something about, you know, like films which have genuinely been just done in one take or something like that. There's got to be some where they're just like the director is just like, don't you know, so they film in one take. Obviously, you can edit a lot out, but you know, they're just like. I know quite a lot where there's been, yeah, generally, you know, not many and very long takes. Yeah. Um, The one I watched recently, The Vast of Night, is really brilliant. Um, It's a kind of homage to The Twilight Zone. And the director, he didn't, he hadn't made films before and he literally taught himself filmmaking by watching making of DVDs and just went, okay, so that's what they said they did. So I'll try and recreate that and just 
did it all off his own back. Um, and there's a shot where they did the sweeping shot through this town um, where it's kind of like, you know, you're the camera kind of thing. And it's like swooping through the streets and over the top of the houses and stuff like that. And it looks like the kind of thing, oh, you make a model and do it in CGI or something like that. He literally <laughs> was in a sort of little buggy and they just did it in one shot. They just had a camera and just went through this town <laughs> like really fast, <laughs> which is really cool. I love stuff like that. And that's what I like about Gonji actually is the kind of thing he, he wouldn't take shortcuts. He'd just do um, some crazy <laughs> effect where he's made it all himself, which is like Stefan's been doing it at the beginning. He's made his studio of egg boxes yeah. and yeah. Actually, well, I suppose so. Who who wrote it? Actually, I haven't even. We should know that. Who it's wrote? It's not semi-autobiographical at all. It's Gondry wrote it as well. Oh, there we are. Yeah. So it probably is sort of. This yeah. is how he was as a kid, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's weird that with this format because I'm in something of a. I, I kind of just want to see it. That's the other. I thing. know. So I don't know. It's it might so get even slow, harder as it, it? Gets, gets better, and we particularly when there's like if there's some sort of nail waiting. The interesting minute end. I'm just like I'm going to, have to wait. I guess um you can watch it up to the point that you've got to. So once we've got into thirty minutes or in, you can watch that thirty minutes all together. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, although probably what will happen then is I'll spot more things that I didn't talk about in minute four. Yeah, you know, that guy on the bike is consequential. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a funny. It's strange as well that I've seen it, but I can't remember. I just have. A few memories. Well, actually, I can't really remember what happens. Look, like even the films that you've seen the most number of times, if you actually try to write out like exactly what happens, whether you get it. I wonder. Yeah. I must be trying that, but you know, probably I, I think I've seen with and I the most number of times of any film. Oh really? But I bet if I was to try and write out the entire script and what happened. Well, that's a hard one because it's not. Third of the film. Yeah, because there's not a huge amount that happens exactly. It's more conversations yeah well, mm. it's sort of happening yeah so, i mean it's not the least half of things where this happens are there um Maybe so the the open air cinema is opening in brighton and my friend just oh, texted right. to say that we should go and they're having um like surprise films so i think you just buy a ticket and you don't know what it's going to be which is always a bit you have to trust that they will pick a good one because yeah. I don't know if you ever came, when you came to see me in Paris, did we ever go to the open air cinema? No. Oh, it must have been someone. Oh, my brother, I think, came with me. I was excited. Yeah, it was because <laughs> so my younger brother came, Rowan, um, came to visit me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this will be a really fun thing to do. And they're, like, and they're really good at that in France. And they're like, you know, big on their films. And it was in a massive park, like on the edge, sort of the suburbs of Paris. And um. And I think it was free even. Uh, and the film that they showed, what was it called? I can't remember. It was this Japanese film. I don't I seem to remember anything today. Anyway, um, and the, ba <laughs> the main premise was, it was this geisha woman who ended up cutting off this man's penis. And it had really graphic sex in. And the really, like graphic dismembered like they showed her cutting off his penis and I think she ate it or something and it was just like why would you show that 
honestly, there were like families there and stuff. This is the fr- most French thing. Like, of all the films that you could show at an open air cinema, like, I've made lists before when I thought, oh, if I was running a cinema, like, what would I show? You know, what, what do you want? You want like family things, you want things that people have seen loads of times and then they want to watch loads of times more. You want things that are like funny, maybe musical. You don't want like porn that includes <laughs> graphic violence and I was watching it with my brother and I was so embarrassed and horrified bizarre Um, choice very bizarre choice was it in the realm of the senses might have been it sounds like best yeah talking of bizarro French films with too much I saw um, Enter the Void which is another which is a, a French director. Is it? Oh, we were going to watch that. Is that the one where the true no, no, story? That's the one I said not to watch. <laughs> oh. It's just very intense. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. The person who's having this DMT sort of drug experience. And What's it's DMT? Sort of, uh, some drug. It's oh. a, a psychedelic drug. Apparently, it's, it's um, it. your brain also naturally releases DMT as you die. So oh. that's where you get that kind of... Um, apparently, that's why you get that kind of... Uh, out of body of your life you know oh. past your eyes and yeah my out of body experience all right it's Casper no I don't know how you pronounce I can't I can't pronounce in no way I don't know whether the E is pronounced in the end oh he's Argentinian and based in Paris okay but, um but you said but again, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> well it wasn't it wasn't awful as a film but it has like awful <laughs> some awful scenes where you're just like it would not be suitable to show in a park no. Or, or for anyone really to watch. Should we think of the top five films that oh, well, would be the worst ones to show uh, for their worst cinema? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, no, because it would just it would either either show off about like the kind of terrible things that we've seen, I know, or having to record them, <laughs> or or the listeners will just be like, "What weak films they have." This is this is the worst they can think of. Like, oh well, <laughs> no, I can think of some pretty bad ones. Boring film. <laughs> there was an article today where someone was complaining about a book. In fact, I should have. Um, uh, why Why We Sleep is the book, and this person was thoroughly. Um, oh yeah, everyone's talking about this. What the book? Wait. Yeah. Who was? Oh, someone was dismissing that book. Yeah, because everyone's yeah, talking about it. It has a I load feel... of factual inaccuracies oh. saying that shorter sleep does not imply a shorter lifespan. It claims that like there's a that the WHO says there's a sleep epidemic when it never has said that. Saying that even small things as well is like it sort of he said cites this really long book saying that it says that no animals that all animals sleep. Apparently the book says the exact opposite, it says there are some animals where which don't do something that you would consider to be sleep. Isn't that the um Mrs. Gren? Isn't that one of Mrs. Gren? Who? What you do what? in biology, Mrs. Gren is what all living things have. And one of one of res resp respirate um different things. <laughs> Exfoliate, um m- mumble. Gren. Uh, <laughs> And one of the one of them is sleep, uh, gr- grow, <laughs> or, or reach mumble. out, <laughs> um, ex- expand. <laughs> Have you not? 
I've never heard of this before. Mrs. Gren. Mrs. Gren. A movement, respiration, sensitivity, growth, oh, reproduction, excretion, nutrition. Oh, well. <laughs> Are we to suppose that what's happening now is in the dream? So he's opened up that curtain and now he's in Paris. In oh, Paris. you think this is his dream? Well, I don't know. because he was. Oh, you think this into... is his dream, do you? It's <laughs> 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 really patronising. <laughs> is that what you think? <laughs> I found out that Michael Gondry directed Dave Chappelle's block party as well, which I've seen a while ago. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent, thanks. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> Moving on. We were both we were both tired. Um okay. I may bed we, you bed you, bid you, bade you. Bade you bodge. Bodge you. <laughs> okay. Bod. Send you bod. Stop it. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs>